100 deals that come through our email on a daily basis because we sign up for every wholesaler under the sun because it, it, it makes sense for us to continue trying to just get a wealth of leads to then just narrow down to what makes sense for us or not. How we filter through it is if it's an area that we just are not interested, we don't even waste our time looking at it. It's a swipe and a delete. I'm Neil. And I'm Brittany. We are a family on a journey towards financial and location independence. Each week, we interview successful real estate entrepreneurs about their chosen investment strategy and rate it based on how much money it took to get started, how long it took to educate themselves, how passive it is, and whether or not they could do it from anywhere in the world. Welcome to the Road to Family Freedom. Before we begin this week's show, I'd like to make you an offer, a free 30-minute call with me. We've been doing weekly chats with other real estate investors for months now, and the response has been great, but we're going to change things up a bit and focus. We are buying self-storage facilities. We have a great partner in North Carolina with a great track record of success, a background in construction, and we're partnering up to help him expand his portfolio. If you have an interest in learning more about investing in self-storage, on the active side, on the passive side, whatever your level of interest, we want to talk to you. There's no pitch here. We're not selling a coaching program. This is just a chance for us to network with other investors interested in self-storage. Also, if you're a current self-storage owner, we'd love to chat with you and perhaps have you as a guest on our show. If all that sounds like something you'd be interested in, go to roadtofamilyfreedom.com slash self-storage call and schedule a call there. I look forward to speaking with you. All right, enough out of us. Let's hit the road to family freedom. Greetings, friends and families. I'm Neil. And I'm Brittany. And you're listening to The Road to Family Freedom. Our guests this week are a husband and wife team who got their investing journey started three years ago by going all in with their life savings on one rental property. Three years later, and they have a few million dollars in real estate under management, and they are nowhere close to stopping. Anam and Amir Hashimbai, welcome to The Road to Family Freedom. Hi, nice to be here. Hi. Yeah, it's great to great to finally meet you. We've been following you on uh, Instagram for a while, and it's nice to uh, put a face to a name. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Same, likewise. Yeah. Uh, so you took, as I said in the intro, you took all of your life savings when you guys, at the time, you were boy, boyfriend and girlfriend, now you're now married. Um, you took it all in and you went all in on real estate. Can you talk about what you gave you the confidence to just jump right in like that? I think it was just the, um, the research that we did. We did a lot, a lot of research, read a lot of books, um, did to listen to a lot of podcasts, um, YouTube videos, anything that you could probably think of. We, we've done it. We've been through it. Um, we felt very, very comfortable as soon as we jumped in. Uh, because not only did we do the research, but we started driving the areas. Uh, we started looking into like the school districts, the retail air, the retail around the areas. And we were very familiar with that area when that first deal popped up. So we we're very like comfortable moving forward. Gotcha. And then did you start, um, how long before you bought your first deal? Did you, had you been educating yourself? Um, probably about a year prior to actually jumping into our first deal was our uh, educational period, I would say. 
from, like he said, all the different podcasts. We went to a few meetups, these different seminars and stuff like that to just listen to actual case studies to even see if it's something we're interested in or not. Um, I think a lot of that helped us actually jump in because we're like, oh, if they can do it, we can do it. Yeah, the case studies really helped because they actually, like a lot of people who were doing it, they actually broke down exactly how they bought it, what they did, uh, the difference between a a rental rehab versus like a, a flip rehab. Um, and then they put all numbers was really numbers really helped me at least try to get a good grasp on like where we need to be in what we can get it rented at and, and the whole financial behind it. Gotcha. And any particular uh, podcasts or local meetups that you thought were really helpful? I think all the the meetups are just going to be localized. Uh, you could probably just look on your local RIA group and find a bunch of meetups that they do. Facebook is a good way to find a lot of people that do meetups, and they'll usually post it on there. If you just like search like real estate meetups or something, they'll, you'll find a couple of groups, and they probably meet up once a month or once every other month, something like that. Um, podcasts, we bigger pockets was a good go-to for us because there's a wealth of knowledge on there and a lot of active people. Um, and, and the forums on that really help out a lot because you can ask questions and people generally respond really, really quickly same day. Were there any local um, real estate investors that you were able to learn from or was it all pretty much just you were learning, learning remotely? Not like a particular person or any anything like that. It wasn't like a, uh, someone who's been super popular in the industry. It was just literally, it was just a random husband and wife that were up talking about their journey that day that we happened to attend a meetup. Yeah, it was no one in particular. Gotcha. Well, do you want to break down that first uh, property for us? Yeah. Um, so that, so numbers and everything. Yep. Yeah. That first purchase was roughly around, I think it was 97,000. 97,000 was roughly our first purchase. Um, and the renovations on that, I think we kept it pretty close to about 20,000 on that one. Okay. So that put us all in at 117. When that appraisal came back on that house, I believe we were pretty close to 150 roughly. Nice. Yeah, I, I thought, yeah. Yeah, probably 150 on that appraisal. Um, uh, we were able to do that in right under 60 days it took us to renovate that whole house. And then um, when we did do uh, finance, we did it, we used a small local bank. Um, so they were able to get us decent LTVs on a higher rate. Um, so we got 80% cash out on that. And then rate rate was pretty high though. I think it was like six and a half on that. It was a, it was commercial terms. So it was a five-year loan on a 30-year AM. And then it was a balloon payment due after that five years. Um, on the 150, what, what's 80% of 150? Oh. <laughs> 30, 000, 120, so 120. Yeah. So it was 120. We got a cash out, which basically left nothing in the nothing deal. In the like deal. Yeah. after closing costs and everything, we we're probably just about zero or just about flat. So nothing in, left in the deal. Uh, cash flow on that is roughly around four to 450 a month, something like that. What does it rent and for? Uh, rents on that is fourteen fifty. Fourteen fifty, and it was actually so we that obviously was our first property three years ago, and we like our tenants have renewed the lease over and over again. So it's actually been something we've lucked out, and they love the place. We haven't had to deal with any vacancy or turnover on that particular home either. So it really does cash flow very nicely because of stuff like that. 
Yeah, awesome. and even on the lease renewal, I think we only did like a couple. Like one thing that they needed was like, like fence. yeah, they yeah. needed a nice. They needed uh, a, a small patch of fence replaced because their dog kept getting out somehow. So other than that, they've been with us for three years. That's um, awesome. Yeah. Um, so you so you came to the table with roughly one hundred and twenty thousand dollars cash. Yeah, we used a bunch of different methods in the beginning to uh, to get that cash. Uh, we had pulled out a home equity line on our house, and then uh, we had we were, were involved in some other businesses, so we were able to do a business line of credit on those and use some of the capital from that. Uh, most of the materials were going on a credit card, so we did have a few credit cards for that business, and then um, the rest of it we had to come in to, to the table with our personal savings. Gotcha. So you you scrim scrimped and scraped. Scraped, scraped it all together. Scraped. scraped and scraped. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do to get that first one done. Yeah. That's the only way you're going to get the confidence. Just keep moving on. Yeah. yeah. You know that we, we talk a lot about, and it's been our experience as well. Um, and I think I just posted something about this on Facebook is that so many people, uh, even myself included, will spend a lot of time getting educated and educated and educated and thinking you have to know everything before you yeah. go in and buy that first deal. And the yeah. truth is, you're never gonna know everything. Um, you're gonna make mistakes. Uh, you know, I often talk that the first place I bought, I didn't put insurance on it for almost a week and a half before I discovered, oh God, insurance, <laughs> you know. Um, and- I think we're the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because when normally when you buy, if you buy it with a, a, a realtor and with a bank, uh, yeah. the bank's going to say, okay, you know, where's your insurance with, you know, but when you buy it sort of off market with a, you know, with a wholesaler or whatever, a lot of times there's nobody looking over your shoulder, you know, um, exactly. but it's, you know, it's, it's, you got to do what you got to do in order to, to get past that first deal and just make it so that that first deal doesn't ruin you. That's really what you want to do is just doesn't need to be a home run. You just don't yeah. want, you know, you don't want a four, a four pitch strikeout, you know, to Just, use it. It's funny, it's, it's funny that you say that because we have really close, like friends and family who've been following us that are trying to get started and they've been stuck in limbo about just researching and researching and researching. And we're like, we said the same exact thing. Like you are never going to know everything, but you literally just need to jump in. You'll figure it out as you go. And, and, and we preach the same thing. Like if your first deal doesn't go well, you're not going to want to, you know, obviously keep going in this business. But that, that first deal kind of has to go somewhat decent for you to just keep moving forward. But you have to jump in. Yeah. yeah. So you find a lot of your deals through wholesalers, um, yeah. which um, I, I, having dealt with wholesalers, I've never, I've very rarely had a successful uh, deal with a wholesaler. Can you talk about some of the ways that you, you know, sort the good ones from the bad ones. So the, you're very true. There's there's 50 50 sentiment out there about working with wholesalers, and I we have been lucky because we'll do our due diligence prior to even jumping, like even considering a deal. So, I mean, every morning we wake up and probably like hundreds we probably have about 100 deals that come through our email on a daily basis because we sign up for every wholesaler under the sun because it, it it makes sense for us to continue trying to just get a wealth of leads to then just narrow down to what makes sense for us or not how we filter through it is if it's an area that we just are not interested we don't even waste our time looking at it's, it's a swipe and a delete like the more we start looking at that that's when you get really overwhelmed and you're like i can't decide i can't find a deal this is too much 
but by sticking to what we know, the area, the numbers, if it's above like 100, if, if it's above 115,000, we probably won't even consider it because we try to buy homes under that just because that's what works for us. And then um, if, it, if it's like, yeah, it's yeah, just like we very have much a very like, narrow criteria. Like yeah. brick homes is what we usually look for. We need at least like 1,200 square feet. Um, so we really hone in on like just looking at yeah. stuff that hits our criteria. If it's nowhere near it, we're not even, we're not even going to consider yeah. it. Yeah. Well, making decisions, it's so beneficial in, in real estate, but also in anything else to, you know, make, set the criteria first, if you're going to have a lot of options. So set your criteria. And then once you know that, like you've gotten rid of all of those decisions and you really only have to make a few different ones, um, which is much easier on the brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause Sorry, what no, I was going to say. No, no. I was going to say, for us, ultimately, what it comes down to is it, it it's a numbers game and an area game. And if both work, then there's no reason for the deal not to work. As long as you make, as long as you know both of those going into it, it, it usually should work out for you in the end. Yeah, and it definitely can't be emotional. Like, it has to be written down of exactly what you want. And if, if the numbers come in line, then you got to pull the trigger. There can't be any emotion in this. Yeah. yeah, no. And it's, it, it's so easy to get, you know, when you have just a flood of deals coming at you, it really can be very overwhelming and you're like, Oh, but this, Oh God, I really like the way that house looks, you know, yeah. and you start get letting your emotions get the best of you and Oh, it's got, it's in a really great area, but that's not one that we really invest in. And you know, it's, yeah, you got to just narrow down and focus. That's something I've, uh, I've had to, to beat my head, my own head in the wall over for a long <laughs> time. So <laughs> Um, and even for deal, deal flow, like we spend like, I think at least like one day a week, we'll probably work for four or five hours just sourcing new wholesalers so that we can keep our emails coming in because you need you, like some of these wholesalers will come in and, and just leave the market and like, they'll do it for like a month or two and they'll just leave. And then, you know, obviously if you're not adding on a consistent basis, your deal flow is going to go down. And how are you finding those wholesalers? online searches, Facebook searches. Um, Instagram has worked for me a few, t a few times. Like we'll get people yeah. reach out to us and say, Hey, do you want to get added to our list? Um, but yeah. yeah. And then meet when pre COVID meetups were really good <laughs> to yeah. meet up all sandwich because they're, they're always at the meetups. Yeah. 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 I, had, I had pretty good success for a while with uh, reaching out to Craigslist you know, when a wholesaler would post something on Craigslist, you know, handyman special, whatever, call them up. And it may not be a deal that I'm interested in, but at the very least, I'd get them on the phone and go, okay, you know, at, you're a wholesaler or add me to your list. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Are there any other ways that you're looking for deals or is it almost exclusively through wholesalers? Uh, pretty much exclusively through wholesalers. I mean, we, we've been trying to do our own setup for a while to see if, you know, a lot of the, we buy home stuff are like, mm -hmm. that's like it, for us right now, it's that would just completely be stepping into a different game, which if, if our, if our focus should be on buying, renovating and renting out the houses, like we should let them do what they're going to do. And then we'll just purchase from them. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I heard an interview with a really successful wholesaler recently and, and he was talking about, um, you know, people who are, who are looking for deals like you, um, often you're better off sticking to that. Let the wholesaler do the marketing. You know, they're spending $60,000 a year on marketing, you know, let them focus on that 
and all you have to do is just basically sort through what they've found uh, and decide whether or not it's something that works for you or not and then focus on you know focus on the rehab and the renovation and and uh, and getting a good tenant in there exactly mm -hmm. yeah we stick to like stick to one thing and just get really good at it yeah and then once maybe you get big enough now you can you know you can hire somebody and ramp them up and have them start doing the marketing for you of course of course no. No. okay <laughs> so what does your portfolio look like now so we have 17 single family rentals we stick pretty closely to the uh, single family we we do entertain the idea of multifamily some of the smaller ones but nothing really works out for us in terms of like what we're willing to pay per door and the area we want to be in all those factors that go into it but i mean i do think in the near future we we hopefully next year we jump into multifamily yeah i feel like multifamily is a bit overpriced right now there's a lot of people trying to jump into the multifamily game um because they see like the economics of it and so like i mean you're getting stuff i mean obviously you're gonna have to add value but there's stuff trading right now like between four and five cap which that's not like you're not going to get a return on that like barely anything obviously you have to go in there and add some value somehow add some units or bump rents or do whatever you can but right now it just seems very overpriced now are you talking large multifamily? Or are you still stock talking uh small multifamily? we've been looking at stuff recently between the 20 to 60 unit count um, to see if we can try to get like step foot in there. Uh, but that's what we've been looking at recently. Yeah, no, it's definitely, uh, uh, we, uh, one of my big mentors is a, uh, large multifamily investor there in Dallas. Uh, mm. and he, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, they're buying stuff at four and five caps and you know, uh, the competition's fierce. Very. So. Do you have, so you like brick single family homes? Any other acquisition criteria that you're that you're rock solid on? Yeah, it has to be at least 1,200 square feet, or per, or it could be a little bit smaller, but it needs to have a convertible garage. I mean, if if the neighborhood can handle a converted garage, like if, if it can handle a no garage house, then yeah, we'll convert the garage, so it can be a little bit smaller there. Three bedroom, two bath. We, that we don't really, as yeah, we don't really care because our contractors can always move walls or add bedrooms or closets or anything. So we never put that in as our criteria. We just look for the square footage. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and you're self-managing, is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How's that going? <laughs> <laughs> I got to say the first two years were like super, super hard because we were obviously we were new. So we were still learning everything. Um, we did get a platform, which really helped us. I think after the, with the second property. Yeah, second or third. Yeah, second or third property, uh, we got Buildium, and we've been using that as our property software management, uh, property management software. Um, and it's been it's been nice. It, it, it keeps like everything organized. Um, it keep you can you're, you're able to collect your rents directly ACH on there. Um, they they make their maintenance requests on there. Uh, they they give you a website basically to like link back to and it's basically like personalized you can like list your rentals on there uh have applications come through there screen tenants through there so yeah. it really that doing that made property management manageable because <laughs> we do both i mean i we, i have a full-time like normal job a nine to quote nine to five and he still runs another business on the side also so it's like when we both had full-time jobs 
And we added this in as a new thing for us. I mean, that the first two years were pretty brutal just because we were trying to get the lay of the land in terms of like understanding what the costs are. Cause I would get sticker shock with everything. Um, like I never realized how um, expensive some of the things were after we just did an extensive rehab. We're like, wait, but we just fixed all this. Why are we having to go in and do X, Y, Z? But um, now it is a very emotionless thing. It comes in, he, he tries to handle it because I still sometimes take things personally. Um, <laughs> also with the property management, you reduce phone calls, which is a very big perk. Cause you can just like our, anytime we get phone calls, we strictly say, I, I like, usually we just say we can't handle it by phone like please submit a ticket so then they they kind of on their own just started submitting tickets which makes it easier on us because you're not getting calls like late at night or on the yeah. weekends and stuff like that and when you do receive a ticket you can respond pretty quickly because you're just going to call your maintenance guys to get out there as quick as they can yeah, you're not getting that the dreaded phone call in the middle of the night for the clogged toilet <laughs> exactly exactly and when you put like when you do a conversation i feel like sometimes it could get like, you know, like uh, if the tenant was like upset or something and it, it could go like south really quickly, if it's, it's if it's a maintenance request online, it's just very like, if this is the task it needs to get done, you set a due date and it. What has been your, what was your biggest sort of learning experience as it comes to self-managing? Mm, I think with um, the plumbing. The plumbing issue, yeah. <laughs> well, there was one that, there was one that's funny because we both thought about the same thing um but there was one issue that came up with the resident that was living in one of the houses and basically the whole plumbing system failed while they were living in there and that was probably our biggest hump to get over because i guess somehow i don't know if like the 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 downfall of the plumbing system somehow wasn't there and now it was upwards a little bit so basically you had backflow of everything uh, coming back. So um, not, so we kept, we kept sending out guys to snake it out because we were just thinking, oh, okay, they're probably just clogging the lines or dropping like tissue or something in there. So after a few times that didn't work and then now it's not only happening in one toilet, now it's happening in both toilets and a shower and the kitchen sink and now we're just in a bad situation. So then uh, when we realized what we actually had to do, we had to basically get plumbers out there. They had to dig. They had to get all the plumbing lines changed out. We had to transfer mm-hmm. the residents into a hotel for a few days. And then they were on their way back. And then the plumbers were like, oh, we're not done yet, hooking it up. And that was a whole mess. Mm-hmm. I, 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 that was probably the hump that I thought if, if we were not going to get past that hump, we were probably not going to continue on. And that was, I think, property number four. And that was like, we were literally considering dropping this whole business. Like never doing anything. Because <laughs> even prior to even getting to the property uh, maintenance side of it and having this plumbing issue, just the rehab was very nightmarish, if that's even a word. But yeah. um, it was probably the most extensive rehab we've done. Yeah, like even today we were driving by um, that city that that home's in and we're like, this is the home that made it for us in terms of was it a make it or break it? And yeah by getting through that rehab we're like yeah this is great we can get through that we can get through anything yeah Ugh, double whammy on a bad rehab and then like yeah. a having to almost redo it yeah exactly it was it was bad but but we got through it yeah. do you have any other like quote-unquote team members you said you've got maintenance guys is there any are there any other people that you um, work with on a regular basis so our contractors team is pretty much set in stone it's um it's a dad and a son 
And then they always bring on some day laborers for their help. Um, our electrician is always with us. So we have one electrician, one plumber, um, uh, dad and son uh, construction team. And those are our main key guys. Oh, and then our maintenance guys, like our maintenance plumber and our actual plumber are two different guys. Um, and then uh, they're pretty much, that's pretty much our team right now. I don't think we have, do we have anybody else? No one really major. Oh, we oh have, an AC guy. Yeah, we have, like a, we yeah. have our regular HVAC guy that we go to to mm -hmm. do installs and repairs and stuff. Um, I mean, we have a, I mean, we do have like a roof guy. We do have a foundation yeah. guy. So we, we do have, yeah, actually, if you think about it, yeah, we, have, we do have a roof guy that we consistently use. We do have a foundation guy that we consistently use. Um, that's pretty that's much it. it yeah. yeah, that's pretty much it. Gotcha. But most of the contact is probably through with your contractor during the rehab phase. And then do you have a handyman for the rest of the stuff when a tenant calls? Um, so usually our, if our, usually our contractors have time between or like, you know, whether it's them personally or one of their guys, they can send somebody out. So we try to use them um, for maintenance as well. Nice. Um, all right. So how are you, we've talked a little bit about it, but um, how are you analyzing the properties that you're looking at? I've heard you guys talk about, I've heard you guys talk about a system you created called area, A-R-E-A, -A, correct? Yes. Yeah. So that is something we religiously use. So like the A means literal area. That's like looking at, is there other investor activity in the neighborhood that we're looking to invest in? For us, it's there's some neighborhoods because we are in a little bit of a lower price point that like have a lot of junk in the yards, no sidewalks. So we look at, at all of that to make sure that it's a cleaner neighborhood and not have not have that junk or like a broken down car on the lawn in front of the house. Like all so if the area so a like area acronym but a for area if that works for us then. Um, then we look into like the retail side of it, which is what the R stands for. It's looking at the Walmarts, the Starbucks, the Home Depots, because they do a lot of due diligence before coming into a neighborhood. Yeah. And the first thing, because we're in Texas, Chick-fil-A. Like Chick-fil-A <laughs> is something that, there's a Chick-fil-A and a Starbucks in the, like at least a five to 10 minute vicinity. It is an area that we know we're gonna wanna be in. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, the retail, especially, like if you're looking at the big box stores, they yeah. need a lot of volume, so we know that Finding a tenant should be easy in that area because there should be generally a lot of people in that area. And then uh, like E stands for education, which school districts are really important because that means then you're going to have the volume in terms of like people wanting to live in that area and renters, right? If schools are, you know, if you look at like the one to 10 scale and schools are under five we just won't i personally don't like considering it because then it's just gonna be harder for us to get a tenant because no one's gonna at least elementary we for sure for a fact make sure the elementary is great because sometimes i like when the kids get a little older they may graduate into owning their own home if they're not renting or it's then we then we hope it's a neighborhood that just doesn't have kids or it's someone that's maybe a little older that their kids have moved on right yeah but the school is very important because we want to also like it also means that the area may like appraise better because it's a little bit more of an educated area. Like that has a lot to do with it. Oh, and then with the A for the first part for the area, another thing we also look at is like jobs. What is, is there mm. one source of main income? Like, is it a factory and the whole town is dependent on one factory? Like we'll go and look at like, it has to have like five, six, seven major sources of like 
job sources in order for us to even jump into that particular, because we do invest a little further out than the main like Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. Like there are some that we kind of go a little further out, but in, when we do go a little further out, like the one that we just acquired this past week, the area is what we really paid attention to because if that failed, it, the, it wouldn't have made sense for us. And then the last A is for ARV and he can talk about that because that's his favorite part. So ARV, <laughs> we're, we have a realtor who's like a family member. So it's really easy to get um, the numbers like turn around pretty quickly. Like we can generally get done in a few minutes. Um, but what, what we actually look for is we're looking for stuff usually around the 55 to 65% of after repair value. And so we'll run comps that have been sold within the last year, um, within a, I think like a quarter mile. Mm, not too yeah, far, like very close than, to that neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, probably less than a quarter mile vicinity. And um, we'll look, we'll also look, well, we also pay attention to days on market too, to make sure that it's not like it, it wasn't sitting there for a very, very long time to sell for that price. So we look, yeah, and then um, if, if we can find deals around like 55 to 65% of ARV, that, then we usually pull the trigger. If it fits everything else too. Gotcha. And then are you, uh, how far away is your your most remote property to you? Have you ever, have you ever figured that out? Because I can see on the, on the video, I can see on the map, you've got pins. I, I assume those are your properties. Oh, yes, yeah. yeah. I think it's the one we just picked up right now. We actually just drove there this morning. Uh, it took us, what, like right under an hour? Right, yeah, like. About right under an hour to get over there today. Okay, gotcha. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the what you talk about area, I have um, a good friend of mine uh, was doing a, a house flip remotely uh, in from Las Vegas. He was doing a house flip in Cleveland and it was such a disaster. He had this thing for almost a year and he had so many problems with contractors, you know, not doing the job right and all that. And he finally gets it into a sellable position and it looks great. But the next door neighbor is a hoarder and oh. has cars in the in the yard. And, you know, and every person who came to look at the place just looked at it and was like, I don't want to I don't want to live next door to that. And it's such yeah. a key, a key thing to remember is that it's not just the house you're buying. You got to look at the houses nearby, you know, and, and people are going to look at the neighborhood and they're going to go, I don't want to live here, you know. Yeah, that's actually funny because we actually do that as well. So like, well, before we even like commit to any of the houses, we'll actually drive the streets with Google Maps and just check out like, are people like, you know, keeping the area clean, like their their properties clean and stuff. So that's that's one other thing that we look at too. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, so you, you had your best ever deal. Uh, I've heard you talk about, you said you made uh, $70,000 on one deal in two weeks. Can you talk about that deal for us? So that particular deal, it was a, the reason why I think it worked for us was because we were able to buy it at a very cheap price point. Um, and the rehab, we really kept it to a rental rehab. Like sometimes we get in and I go crazy because I'm like, oh, we have to do, we have to get the whole place. Yeah. This one, Fairly looked at it. Um, it like we kept the tile. We were able to keep the cabinets. We, I mean, we never keep the appliances, but the appliances work. So why buy new appliances? Uh, the countertops. I just did it. I personally did the DIY on the countertops because it, I, I, it was so easy to do it yourself. We did build a bedroom and do like the basics, like paint, flooring, even in the bathroom. Like it, it bothered me because it was so ugly, but 
it made sense. I mean, it was white. So like yeah. we kept yeah. the tile. We changed, I think, the, just the vanity out. And one of the showers was just not finished. Like like the person maybe attempted yeah, to demo it. Like they, yeah, I think they demoed it and it just left it or something. Yeah. I don't know. But we, we had to build that shower out. Yeah, we had to build a shower out on that, a closet in one of the bedrooms because it wasn't yeah. technically considered a bedroom because yeah. they didn't have a closet. And then uh, we had to build out one other bedroom because it was currently like a two-two, so we made it a three-two. And because like because the uh, rehab was like not as extensive, I'm gonna pull the numbers up. So if we want to run through the numbers, but like because the rehab wasn't as extensive, that's why we were able to be in and out in two weeks. Um, and by being in and out of it in two weeks, it like kept like our. I, I don't know if we we didn't we paid cash to get into this, we and then we, yeah. yeah. Um, and then so, so like the number yeah the numbers on this deal. I think we purchased this one for eighty thousand. Yeah, eighty thousand, and then we had a renovation of fifteen thousand, and we were able to complete that in two weeks because it wasn't it wasn't much. Like we got all of our guys in there, um, so all in costs were about ninety five. When that appraisal came back, we were at one hundred sixty thousand on that one. Wow! Yeah, uh, gotta love gotta love forced appreciation. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It was great. I think I think purchasing that house at that price. Oh, we also didn't let it go to a showing, which was probably yeah. one key thing, or else I think it would have went above asking. So this one, um, the wholesaler had emailed us, and I remember I woke up that morning. It was like around like, like 6.30 yeah. or 7 or something. I was just going through my emails like I normally do. Um, and we saw this deal come through, and I called the, like I saw the, the house and the price and everything, and I called the wholesaler right away. And he was like, yeah, we're doing a showing in about like four or five days on this house, and um, this is the asking price. Here's the address and everything. And I think I didn't let him get off that phone <laughs> until he sold it to us. And I was like, look, we'll pay cash. We will close it sooner if you need to. Whatever you do, we'll take it. Like, just just get, get us a deal. And then I think we, did, we went back and forth a little bit because I think he did want to do a showing. And then somehow we were able to convince him to just sell it to us. Nice. So he had uh, sent over contracts. Like, I think an hour after that, we had hurried up and signed it and got the earnest money over to him. And then so we got to lock that in. But definitely if that one went to showing because that house was such good condition already, brand new, like it was like a nice Lennox AC system in there that was just installed like maybe six months or a year ago. And so like everything in that house was like really, really good stuff. So, I think it was just that or else it would have definitely gone over asking. Yeah. So how you you've scaled from one to 17 in just three years. Are you uh, funding your deals with any any creative? You know, how are you funding your deals right now? Or are you just able to just roll your money over because of Burr? So in the beginning, we were we were just rolling it. We were rolling, rolling personal capital, and it kind of limited us because obviously we don't have like unlimited amounts of cash, so we can't just do multiple deals at the same time. Uh, but we were able to do like maybe one, maybe two, sometimes at mm -hmm. the same time. And then um, recently, I think what, this year, this year we started. This year we started using a hard money lender, and we were able to scale pretty quickly because obviously you're borrowing their capital and. It was also a good transition because we had rental income coming in. So we were able to float their interest payments on a monthly basis through other rents collected and use basically them to get in. They, they also do charge a lot of fees and stuff, which we had to bake into the deal. So our pricing on some of our deals started to go up a little bit. Um, but we had to make a little bit of adjustments to get it knocked out. I think to, to that point, it, what matters is what your end game is. If your end game is purely to get like to 10 units just for your own retirement fund, it, it's different. And I can see why people, because there's a lot of people that prefer to not ever use hard money because they get scared by the fees or the interest rates, all like all that is super daunting. 
But for us, when we sat down and what our goals are and like how this, this isn't just for retirement, this is to build a pure business. So when you buy a normal business, you're willing to always take a loan. I mean, you're willing to do that. So why is it any different in real estate? I just think once we got past the fact that this is just the cost of doing business, all those fees and extras, I think that was a huge mind, um, a mindset change for us that did let us then progressively just this year grow. We basically have matched units to what we did last year in the first, we're in August and we probably, I mean, we'll we'll hopefully get like several more by the end of the year. Also, that was after our like three or four months of no deals because of COVID. COVID, Like we were in, we were worried too, because we were like, what's going to happen with like all the people that are renting currently. And so like everything, like we just stopped everything. Like we finished up with some of the projects that we had going on up until March March, or so. And then I think we were refinancing three of the houses and everything fell apart during that time. And we were just like, okay, we need to stop. And then um, just in like probably the last two months, we, we picked up a lot of steam and just started moving forward. That's great. Are you guys doing, so when you, you use the hard money and then are you using delayed financing to, to get the money back out? Um, so it's cash out refis, so we don't have to do delayed finance. We were not doing delayed financing. They're fronting um, generally between 80 to 85% of the purchase price and they're doing 100% of reimbursements on the, on the, the um, rehab. Gotcha. Um, okay, so I think, let me make sure that we've got we're clear on so you got hard money which you're using to do the acquisition correct correct yeah they'll do 80 to 85 percent of the purchase price up to 75 percent ARP. okay and then on the on the refi side you're doing it through uh local banks you're doing portfolio lenders correct yeah okay yeah once you max out like fannie mae they give you a limit of 10 um, that you can get loans to them uh, after that, you're kind of on your own. You have to find commercial lenders like small banks who will uh, put commercial loans on these houses. Gotcha. And they, do they ever require any kind of a seasoning period, or is it basically just as soon as you got a tenant in place, you're you're good to go? It 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 varies bank to bank. I think when I went through all the banking phone calls that I made, I think we went through like a hundred banks to like narrow it down to two that will actually get us financing the way we want. And they don't care. They don't. Um, they don't have seasoning periods. They'll do appraisals on the house, and they'll give us seventy-five percent of the value. That's great. No, it's uh, we. We were right in the middle of a, a refinance on a burr when COVID hit, and yeah. and my uh, my loan uh, broker called me up and said, "Yeah, you might want to accelerate this one a little bit and try and get this. You know, get your paperwork in because the the cash out refi is going to get pretty hard here." Uh, mm-hmm. for a little bit so we still haven't we actually we should be refining that probably this week uh, and that should yeah. have refied probably three months ago but it's just COVID is just and we also you know, sold our house so that yeah that, that, that made it so that yeah we, comp- we got things got complicated once we sold our house so <laughs> yeah we were we were pushing our paperwork so quickly with them and we were literally probably four days out from closing and on three of them at the same time everything fell apart and it was just like, it was so much work and then everything just fell apart. And then we actually just, just closed, closed last we, week. Yeah, yeah. Last week on all three of those properties. Oh, wow. So it took a long time and there was a lot of money stuck in that on all three of those deals. But that, that, but honestly, it's like a blessing in disguise because that's what did push us to go find like a hard money option because our personal cash was stuck yeah. in these three homes. 
So it turned out good for us because then we actually started scaling with our money under. That's great. Um, so obviously this sounds to me like it's almost, how many hours a, a week would you say you focus just on your real estate uh, endeavors? On the on the ongoing operations, like as in maintenance and just keeping up with current properties that are already done, I would say very little. Um, probably maybe an hour a week or so. Not not very much because there's not everything's once everything's up and running, it's not too bad. But with with the construction with the construction side and the acquisition side and all that's all the refis that are going on at all times, uh, yeah, quite a bit. I would assume we're probably doing. 40 50 hours at least a week maybe more yeah if you're doing if you factor in deal analysis too and everything um probably maybe more than that gotcha. Each. yeah i was just gonna ask if your eventual plan is to hopefully phase out of the like your full-time job that's a tough one because i think i yes eventually we that is the ultimate goal but we, we we've kind of i guess figured out how to make it work how in the now and so we're like why would we give up the extra like the stable source of income yeah. right yeah. is what a w-2 job is essentially and so that's it, it's been hard because as long as we can make it work and continue to make it work i don't see why either of us would ever want to walk away from our uh, um our day jobs i guess yeah yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Definitely, it definitely helps push systems yeah. because if, if we were not busy with this, and obviously we would just be doing real estate, but because we're keeping both of our stuff, then we're ha we have to put systems in place, obviously, mm -hmm. so that we can do both at the same time and do it well. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, is it the kind of thing where you think at some point you could, you know, I mean, can you guys take an extended vacation and things would still continue to run? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I think our contractors are on board right now of like what we do because like they'll walk into the properties with us now and they literally already know what's going to happen because every, every we keep everything very consistent from like well she'll actually I know we'll change everything up all the time but should we try to keep everything what <laughs> do we try to keep everything very consistent like as in what type of stuff we're going to use like if we're going to use vinyl plank flooring or if we're going to use certain cabinets or certain paints and stuff like that but she'll make changes like here and there, like maybe a, on a different tile or a different floor, but. I get, a, I get a little bit of like wiggle room on what's allowed to be changed because we don't flip, we do rentals. I've constantly keep that in my mind, but um, I don't know, I, 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 my saying is you build a, a Nordstrom look on a Dollar Tree budget. Like that is what I go by because yeah. when we shop around for tiles and like you can find some great tiles for, I mean, I don't think we've ever put a tile for more than a dollar a square foot ever I like i don't even high. yeah i think 79 cents is the most but our, i mean in my opinion and i could be biased our homes look beautiful for yeah. what we pay like i we just had to really get to the understanding of like what a rental rehab is versus like and based on your market in your neighborhood it, it's different yes for everyone but what we do we we should stick to the basics and just like i said get to change the cabinet colors the backsplash a little bit of the tiles but like I have not been able to change the paint wall paint color because he's like, why would we have 17 different wall paint colors? Yeah. The first one we did on a first home, we had to stick to it. So it's like, I have to love it. If I didn't love that, I love it now. 
yeah. It only makes sense because when you're going to go back and do like, like turnover, or if you got like mm. maintenance and issues and stuff, like you can carry a bucket of paint with you at all times. And you will always be using that paint color. You don't have to go back and try to figure out what you use on this house versus that house. Everything should be very consistent. That makes sense. If it was up to me, everything would be the same every single time. Yeah. yeah. I, I get it. I had to like take a step back and not look at any of our at like the two investment properties that we have in North Carolina because I was like I'm gonna want to be like let's do this <laughs> you know because there's one that's like a brick house and it's like can we paint it white? Having <laughs> <laughs> that current argument on our like the ones that were the home that we're currently uh, working on I'm like the brick's so ugly and he's like it's actually very nice I'm like but it's actually really ugly can we please change it yeah um, yeah. But, I know we totally segued from your question about can we take an extended vacation? <laughs> no, it's fine. But can you know? Do you guys feel like what's the longest vacation you guys would feel comfortable taking right now? So we recently, and I think it was only because it was our honeymoon, we took a 15-day trip um, to uh, the Southeast Asian continent. Uh, but it did. I mean, it was everything that we got while we were there. Any calls we got it was manageable. It didn't feel like it was not manageable. I mean, I think we do have a running joke. The minute we leave DFW, we get a call on something. Like it is, it is yeah. like, it is turnkey always happens to us. Like we went, like we could be just going down to Austin for two days and some, yeah. we'll get a call on something. I think they know when we leave. This area. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They've got a sense. But at least you have your systems in place and yeah. you know, theoretically yeah. in the future, if you wanted to, you could hire someone to, look over that you know your management system and take tickets or whatever if that was something that you wanted to do yeah so like that was the longest one we've recently taken but like we can easily do like a, a week and not probably sweat sweat it just it, it wouldn't be an issue for us yeah and even when we did take the 15 days i think we were still at full force like we had uh rehab i think we had one we had one rehab and we, had one, yeah, we had one rehab going on we had one pending um and then we had all the the ones that were rented so and then we had a couple i think a refire too maybe going on at that time too so and there was i mean there was a full amount of stuff uh full plate for us when we left too and it was easily manageable gotcha well anam and amir thank you so much for sharing with us today uh if any of our listeners want to reach out to you and find out more about what you guys are doing uh what would be the best way for them to be able to do that the best way would to, uh, be able to, uh, I guess, find us on Instagram. Our Instagram handle, we do a shared one, is at Rehab Rental. That's probably the only place we're super active. And I mean, we do a pretty good job at sharing a lot of our day-to-day -day and some of our fun stories on there. Awesome. Okay, great. Well, thanks again. It was great meeting you both. Thank yeah, you. thank you. We had a great time. Okay, that was Anam and Amir Hashimbai from Opulent Realty and at Rehab Rental on Instagram. Be sure to go and check them out if you want to learn more about them. Uh, was there a key lesson learned for you on this interview? Um, I think narrowing down the acquisition criteria. So, you know, they do those emails um, from wholesalers every day and they are able to go through pretty easily and, you know, delete, delete, delete for something that's completely out of the criteria that they've already set um, as far as the area and price point on those emails and like i said before i think that's just it when you have a process where you're gonna have to be making a lot of decisions having all of the decisions that you could make and doing those all of the time is just um a recipe for disaster it's exhausting 
on your brain. <laughs> um, and, and you're also probably more likely to make the emotional decisions that they were trying, you know, they're trying to avoid, avoid, avoid. Um, so I think that's something that if you are going to be making those kinds of choices a lot to really think about what is it you're looking for and then just disregard the rest. Totally agree. Uh, the tyranny of choice. Um, you know, this is uh, a time, it can be a very time consuming, especially deal acquisition uh, can be a very time consuming process. And you want to find a way to uh, streamline that as much as possible. Uh, and that's one of the ways you do that. It's just with, uh, with just being really, really specific about your acquisition criteria. So yeah. uh, for me, it was just, you know, um, be really clear about what kind of area you want to invest in as far as uh, cleanliness in the neighborhood, uh, whether or not there's, you know, jobs, whether or not there's one single employer and things like that. Um, I mean, I liked their whole area system uh, as well, uh, but that was really uh, a very specific part of it that I thought that resonated with me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, key piece of knowledge. Um, I would say, you know, we didn't get, we didn't get really into specific there. We talked about how they got themselves educated. They, they went to, they listened to a lot of bigger pockets podcasts, um, and they went to a lot of RIA meetings. Yeah. And, um, Um, I don't want to put words in their mouth, but I would say systems would probably want to be one of the things that they would say, um, that would be important to be successful, um, we talked about it a lot. We just talked about both of those two um, lessons learned are systems, essentially. So, um, and then they they really relied also on the um, software that they use for their property management, um, which is a system in and of itself. So, yep. money, money. Um, their first property was. Uh, 117, um, all in. So 97, um, purchase price and then, uh, about 20 K in renovation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it priced for 150. Mm-hmm. So, and they pulled that from savings and business, um, line loan, line of, line of credit, um, HELOC and then, um, Credit cards. Yep. <laughs> like there's something else. Yep. Which we um, don't recommend, you know, but. Well, you if, yeah. I mean, yeah. if you, I don't know. I, we, we've talked to some people who have used it yeah. and it is a way to like, if you absolutely know that you can pay those back um, because you're going to do a cash out refi and that's going to go straight to that. It can be a good way to get some, some points and things, <laughs> yeah. but uh, it's definitely not something to do just on a whim you have to have a very strategic plan so that you don't end up and twenty thousand dollars on a credit card is a lot yeah and i wouldn't recommend i've i've heard stories of people financing entire properties on uh you know cash advances on credit cards and that uh, we've actually i think interviewed i can't remember who it was that we interviewed that did that and and even he said i don't recommend this (laughs) (laughs) so uh, it's just a lot it's a lot to be putting yourself out there um and you don't want to get a, a situation where you then go to refinance the property and the bank is looking at all this credit card debt and they go, yeah, we're not going to, you know, we're yeah. not do that. So. Yeah. Uh, time. They can take probably a couple weeks away. Nope. 
it's not, not what I mean. Time. Oh, sorry. Location <laughs> independence. It's fine. Yeah. Just give him forward. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> Got to get some food in this girl. Um, uh, time, uh, the property management side, minimal hour yep. a week, but um, the actual business of acquiring and rehabbing and all that is a full-time job. Yep. Totally agree. Uh, location independence. Could they do this from anywhere in the world? Theoretically, yes. I mean, they're the actual acquiring they're doing locally and the way that they're doing it and how they've set up their management and all that clearly needs to be done at a local level. Um, we've talked to plenty of people who use the same type of strategy, but don't do it locally. So it's definitely possible. You just have to have more boots on the ground um, or, you know, people who are doing more of the management for you. Um but yeah, I mean, they can, they can go for, they went for a couple of weeks on their honeymoon. They can at least go for a week or a weekend, um, because they have pretty solid help. All right, I'm going to push back a little bit on you, Mrs. Henderson. Mm -hmm. I, I would say, um, I would say they can take some time off. Clearly they did. Uh, but this is a kind of, uh, a kind of thing where, I mean, I think if they were gone for more than, three months they're probably gonna you know they, they might I have said to hire two somebody. weeks they're, i know <laughs> <laughs> i didn't say they could leave forever and that's what i just said if they wanted to go anymore if they wanted to do it long distance or yeah. go for a longer period of time yes yeah. they would have to yeah. change their specific setup and and would need added team yeah to as the, as the person who does most of the real estate side of this relationship <laughs> i would not be comfortable leaving for three months at a time if that was how we were yeah, we, we business, didn't so. specify three months we <laughs> just said if we were gonna go anywhere in the world and they said for two weeks they were and they were in in uh south, south asia, asia. So yeah, they were across so. the, on the other side of the planet so <laughs> i'm right no you're not <laughs> if you want to say i'm wrong you should have been more specific on your context <laughs> okay <laughs> All right. Uh, that was Anam and uh, Amir Hashimbai. And once again, you can check them out at Opulent Realty or at Rehab Rental on Instagram. Uh, we're doing this all again next week if she doesn't kill me uh, by the end of the day. Shh. Let's hit the road so I can bury your body. <laughs> okay, <bye>. Just kidding. <laughs> hey, before you go, if you like the show, we would be delighted if you'd head over to Podchaser and leave us an honest review. And do let us know why you like the show, how long you've been listening, and in particular, what you find really useful or entertaining. And let us know if there's anything you think we should change. Also, if you have specific questions about real estate investing, especially self-storage or short-term rentals, shoot us an email at info at roadtofamilyfreedom.com, and we'll be happy to answer your question on the show. We might even turn it into an entire episode. Thanks for listening. We're doing this all again next week. Until then, safe travels.